Between You and Me, the podcast for fabulous, possibly frazzled women who want to take charge of their lives. Co-hosted by Galway journalist and NLP coach Maria McHale and Dublin journalist and the midlife coach Alana Kirk. Because let's face it, between you and me, we'd all love to be able to press pause once in a while. So welcome to another Between You and Me podcast. Uh, today's subject is something that affects everybody, uh, but it affects some people more or less ways than others. Uh, I think to start it and introduce it, I could tell you that I have done this standing up. I've done it sitting down. I've done it lying down. I've done it in toilets. I've done it in offices. I've done it in cars. I've done it on sofas. Uh, I've done it in parks. What am I talking about, Maria? Sleeping. <laughs> Um, and the reason I've done it in all those places is because usually I haven't done it where I'm supposed to do it, which is actually at night in my bed. Mm-hmm. And I've actually, well, now I say I'm kind of an OK sleeper. I'm not, I've never been a fabulous sleeper, but I did go through a period about eight years ago where I had chronic insomnia. And I think I was a bit psychotic, actually, which is one of the downsides of not sleeping. <laughs> it's pretty crucial yeah, and I, I very similar to me as well. I had a period in my late twenties of very bad insomnia, um, and I think it is something that uh, affect. Like I said, it's a bit like cleaning your teeth and eating. It's something we're all supposed to do, yet so many of us actually have real problems with it. And I mean, we're going to talk a little bit today about how just actually it's not just a sort of soft subject, and how important it is to like have a nice bath and then have a nice sleep. Sleep absolutely defines how we, uh, it impacts every single thing we do. It defines how we think, how we feel, how we look, how we respond and react and interpret events. It impacts our health, our memory, our food, our diet. Yet, and certainly at this time of my life, just when I thought that sleep would become a, a welcome friend, because I had my last baby when I was 40 and I've got three children. So I felt, I feel I literally haven't slept in 15 years. Um between pregnancies and babies and all the rest of it. And now um, I have other things happening to me where I'm, you know, waking up at five o'clock in the morning in a hot sweat. Uh, although in fairness, the other night that was due to the fact that I'd forgotten <laughs> to turn the electric blanket off. Uh, I thought I was dying. But no, it was just an electrical fault of my own. Um, but, you know, I and for a lot of women, I think that years of disrupted sleep, uh, pregnancy, babies, children, and then some of us go into perimenopause and it affects uh, us then as well it, and it feels like a fucking conspiracy it really feels like you know, when are we going to get a break and get some decent eight hours sleep and be able to function as the normal people that we should be and it's actually one of those things that we're supposed to be okay at you know that we get up we do loads of things we go to sleep but even when we're babies a lot of babies don't sleep naturally and I'm sure we've all been there. I know I had three kids. Hence, I haven't (laughs) slept in 15 years. (laughs) I had twins and uh, there's no sleep going on when you do very small babies. But that was probably the, I would say I probably was never a fantastic sleeper. I was always a light sleeper. But having my girls definitely kind of kickstarted this roller coaster of not sleeping for me. And the sad fact is that, um, you know, at the time I just was in a daze, but One of the big things about sleeping is how bloody important it actually is. And it's all well and good. I'll say we all know we have to get eight hours. But basically, you know, not sleeping makes you fatter, lazier, unhappier, poorer, sicker. 
Um, Grumpier. Worse at sex, (laughs) worse at everything. You know, dangerously driving. It's worse than smoking. That's right. um, As it damages your health. And uh, I think it actually is, is four hours of sleep is the equivalent to what would now be considered drunk driving. You wouldn't be allowed in charge of a car, yet we have to uh, carry on our lives. We have to function as parents, Mm. partners, whatever. Um, And we're not giving ourselves the real chance to what I believe. You know, I I literally believe there's sort of two sides to me. There is, well, there's many sides, but there is the sort of, there's the main Alana who can function in goodness, quite funny and quite smart and can get on with life. And then there is the non-slept Alana, and I am like a freaking antichrist. I mean, I really am totally incapable of functioning at the same level. Things that wouldn't trigger me when I've slept send me off the deep end when I haven't oh, had a good night's sleep. Yeah, and I think that's probably the case for most people. I mean, one of the big things about sleep is, um, you know, that it's not something that we have to passively um deal with or not sleeping that we have to passively deal with it I did go through these and it was several years and you know the one thing about sleeping you know um, sleeping makes you slimmer you don't crave food so much you're not drinking as much coffee and I think our modern world as well we're all addicted to our screens we're so wired yeah and we're you know we're still on late at night and our we've kind of forgotten that our brains need to slow down and stop and repair themselves like our life expectancy has increased for all kinds of medical and health reasons but actually it's beginning to reverse the research is saying and I you know people used to sleep based on the sun. They would go down when the sun went down because there wasn't any electricity and lights mm. and they would get up when the sun got up. So they were sleeping a huge amount more. They were still having dramas and crises and issues in their life but the difference was their body and their brain was able to readjust and reboot for a significant period of time every single night in order to help them function with that. And, you know, it's funny because I have a nine-year-old, uh, a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old girls. So I feel like I've, I'm, I'm just coming out of a certain stage. But my nine-year-old will probably come into my bed still maybe twice a week. And she hasn't learned the social etiquette yet of lying horizontally or lying vertically in a bed. You know, she believes that she can lie on whatever angle she damn well oh, likes. Yeah. And, you know, in this last week alone, I have been woken up by a kitten who likes to sleep under my armpit. <laughs> that is my own gear. And I have, to, I have to sort of start being a bit harsher and putting her out, but I just can't. My cats are bringing me dead birds and live mice at the moment. My youngest is coming in. Uh, I left the electric blanket on the other day. I'm too hot. I'm too cold. You know, and that's even before I deal with the issue of social media, bringing your phone into the bedroom at night. I actually bought an alarm clock the other day, brought it into my bedroom, because I'm deter- so I would not allow my children to have a mobile phone in their bedroom. No, I'm the same. Yeah. So they're not allowed. Yet I wasn't giving myself that gift as well. Now that stems from a period when my mother was very ill, and I needed to have a phone beside mm. me. And I kind of that that hangover is hard to get rid of because I kind of feel, oh God, well, how can I be contacted at night? But um, I feel I have to do it, and I've I've I need to now make the final step which is to put the phone outside the room because we are wired and the first thing of course we do if we wake up at five o'clock in the morning is pick up the phone to see mm. what time it is. Well I'm a bit of a sleep Nazi because I was an insomniac for several years and literally you know I'd say I probably I'm talking like four to five hours sleep a night so I was one of those dangerous people out on the road but my big thing is now I'm a complete sleep Nazi because I literally ban everything from my room. Actually, I don't ban the phone, but I I literally ban it in the sense of I am not allowed to look at it and I've made that rule. What about books? As in reading them? Yes. Oh yeah, big into that. I think because this is the point, 
the sleep Nazi thing is we basically have to get back to yep. sleep hygiene which sounds I love really that. sexy. But I need sleep hygiene. <laughs> I'm still a dirty sleeper. Yeah, you are. Well, you definitely are. <laughs> this whole thing, yeah, with all your... In, I mean, if I had all those interruptions, I literally wouldn't sleep either. And But I, my phone, I use it... I actually listen to sleep hypnosis things or, you know, meditation or... But I literally have banned myself from picking it up. So, you know, I'd, I've trained myself out of it. And I suppose that's the bit of the sleep hygiene. I had got to the point where I was feeling so unwell and like joking aside quite psychotic I was at a period when I had a lot of anxiety and I was working through it all and honest to God between the not sleeping and the anxiety I was a mess and so I had to kind of basically a bit like a baby go back Relearn. and train myself how to sleep and I actually have tra- retrained myself and um, I really notice now if I don't follow the pattern, and that's the thing, it, it does. Because like, you read this in magazines, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. You know, fi- find a, a nice pattern. Re- yeah. routine. And in fact, this is exactly what we're doing with children. Yeah. I'm still trying to teach my nine-year-old how important, she, and she'll lie in bed and she'll go, but I can't sleep. No, no, but what you have to do is close your eyes. Mm. If you keep getting up and talking to me, that that's not conducive to sleep. <laughs> yes. So she has to lie there with her eyes closed. But but my <laughs> brain's moving. Yes, that's what happens. <laughs> what you have to do is come to terms with your brain moving and eventually it will stop. But it's, it, you have to train uh, someone to sleep. You do. And I think this is the thing that we don't understand. And and this is the bit that I suppose we should, particularly with modern times. And as you were saying, you know, even teenagers now, although we are phone Nazis, a lot of kids do have phones in their rooms late at night. And unfortunately, in this modern world, we're basically um, untraining our natural rhythms. Um, and we're, you know, because I know I get to the point where I actually get past the point of tiredness. Yeah. If I don't you know, get into bed, follow kind of... Now, I'm not saying every seven days a week. Do you put the rollers in before or after? Oh, yeah, and a full (laughs) face mask. (laughs) Full face mask. And Um, a Horlicks. I still don't know what Horlicks is. I don't either. (laughs) Something gross. (laughs) But I didn't... um, Yeah, I I have to basically do that. And if I don't, if I'm feeling tired and then I ignore that tiredness I will go into overtired and I will be awake until one or two in the morning so I know that I you know it is a matter of training yourself but there are you know there is the thing as well of course of night owls and uh, early birds and that is the two types of sleepers yeah I mean I there's a really great book if you're into this um I think it's actually just called Sleep by Matthew Walker and he's a neuroscientist and he was basically saying you know poor old night owls you know the whole world is against them and set up against them but they really struggle the most with sleeping because you know they don't want to get up early but again we have uh, created a whole culture and society around industrial revolution and uh, there's been some research and experiments in and around Europe um, in all those you know really good countries like Sweden and stuff where they are allowing children especially teenagers to start school at 10 o'clock instead of 8 o'clock Absolutely. and the difference because teen Teenagers actually do need uh, going to bed later. So so we have to listen and learn about our natural rhythms. And I mean, I suppose the point of this podcast, of all of the subjects, is that midlife in particular is a point where you just stop, press the pause button and reassess many of the habits, many of the things that we have done a certain way and say, do they still serve us now? Mm. So, you know, I would say for me, certainly, the single biggest toxic influence in my life has been sleep or inability so obviously I had 10 12 15 years of babies and children and all of that and now and then I had you know obviously I went through two or three years of anxiety and the children being particularly difficult at night because 
our marriage ended and they went through all of that. And now I'm into the third stage of perimenopause and there are symptoms that are and it's 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 a well-known one and I think that's a thing that women really we're going to talk about this at the end how we coach around sleeping but the most important thing that women can do at this point in their life is take a minute stop and pause and think about what it is that they really need Mm. and what changes they need to make to their lives Um, and one of the things that is happening if your sleep is being disrupted for a health reason Go and sort it out. If your health, your sleep is being disrupted for another reason, be it anxiety or whatever, what can we do about that? Mm. But it's just taking a moment to going, are you getting enough sleep? Are you just following habits for the sake of following them? What do you think is the is the sleep optimum? Well, I think the big thing about this is that exact thing what you just said there, to actually stand back and go, this isn't right. Yeah. I mean, if you're not sleeping... I don't sleeping, have to keep living yeah. like a half-shadowed no. person. And if you're not sleeping properly, there's something wrong. And, you know, it, it probably not only doesn't not serve you to, to not sleep well, because, you know, you're more prone to depression, schizophrenia. It sounds horrific when you actually look at the actual health stats of it. But, you know, everyone around you suffers, not just you. And, and I think really that's why Arianne Huffington, who has, does the Huffington Post, and she's sort of a commentator, and she's actually written a book on sleep as well. Uh, and she actually calls sleep the next feminist issue oh. because it affects women so much. Firstly, research has come out quite recently, actually, that women need more sleep than men. Uh, and this is not a dig at men here, mm-hmm. but uh, because women tend to multitask more, they need slightly more time for their brain to rest. Unfortunately, the stats also show that women get less sleep than men. So uh, she's calling it the next feminist issue because women are not investing the time and energy to A, look after themselves, or B, even get the right information as to why their sleep is being interrupted, what can they do about it. We do what we, what a lot of women do, is we just carry on. And this happened to me, I mean, I talked about it in the last podcast, where I, for two or three years, I'd lived on autopilot and I was living a half sort of shadowed life and partly that was exhaustion total Mm. exhaustion and I think that's a modern woe I think there's a huge amount of men and women it's you know it is a woman's thing because we have you know we get up with the kids and maybe breastfeeding and all that stuff but there comes a point where you know there is this it is a modern woe and but also research shows that women are lighter sleepers than men much lighter part of one of that whole big piece was well that's nature because women tend to sleep with men men are heavier they move more that will disrupt women so it's not we're not blaming poor men here no no but there are just lots of little tiny factors but if they all add up women are getting less sleep yeah, and I've had, you know, friends of mine who've literally gone into separate bedrooms because yeah. they're all saved by actually getting a good night's sleep. And I think this is the bit about the sleep hygiene, or I don't know if we can invent another better, nicer, sexier <laughs> way of describing making ourselves go to sleep. a dirty sleep. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's a whole different podcast. Yeah, I know. We'll save that for later episodes. But it is this idea that, you know, we can, we need to slow down. We need to give our body prompts. We need to give our mind these little um, moments that help it understand that it's going to slow down and stop for a while so that we can rest. And when you don't make those prompts kind of law, if you like, every night or most nights, you end up stuck. And that's where this you either can't go to sleep or you wake up. And what do you mean by prompt? Prompts so that you're basically 
giving a bit like with a kid, you know, where you might give it a bottle or a hot milk or, you know, you well, get I could their, take a bottle to bed, <laughs> but it wouldn't be the type that would help me to sleep. Well, funnily enough, <laughs> there's a lot more of this stuff coming in for grown-ups, like blankets. You know, there's now weighted blankets. Oh, I was thinking of a wine bottle. Yeah, okay, well, go on. Yeah, <laughs> I trust you. Yes. Well, I was trying to keep that for later. But, you know, alcohol is actually something that disrupts sleep. I know. But it's, it does make, I actually sleep well if I have one glass of wine, I sleep like a log. If I have more than one, it does definitely make yeah. me toss and turn. Me too. But, um, you know, the, the prompts thing is a about signaling so that you know you maybe put your pajamas on take off your makeup you know you're winding down you're psychologically saying to yourself okay I'm you know the day is over and the whole thing about it's a bit like having it that's what I mean about you might have herbal tea that kind of calms you down Um, then you might you know go to bed and read a book not on screen yeah again that's your brain just slowly winding down and often a lot of people find if they start reading they do feel sleepy and that's the moment to not fight it which I'm terrible at doing I'll just read to the end of the chapter but you know just naturally kind of remember that our body knows what it needs to do. So what we're basically saying or what you're saying here, and I love this idea, and for rather maybe than sleep hygiene, we're going to call this sleep parenting. Yes. Because we have just come through a process, all, all of us and maybe a lot of our listeners, where we have parented our children on how to sleep. We've parented them around, have a consistent bedtime, night uh, time of going to bed. There are certain things that you can and can't do in the bedroom. Um, there are certain little things that you do like for us we always have a little chat or you read mm. a book whatever it might be yet as adults we don't give ourselves that same no gift. not at all and I think we're so busy so rushed and so on all the time that you know our brains are actually in overdrive anyway and then we kind of literally just go stop right get into bed and then it's no wonder that we can't just switch off because everything's still in our heads we haven't basically given ourselves a little run into the downtime I think what's really interesting, though, and I love what you said earlier, because <clears throat> a bit like, you know, the warnings and cigarette packets, we know it's bad for you, but we, we, we used to all do it in the 60s, not now. <laughs> but, you know, I know if I haven't got enough sleep, I don't. I look like shit the next day. Oh, when I look like shit, I eat more. Or sorry, not when I look like shit, but when I feel tired and grumpy, then I'll, I'll have the toast instead of the porridge. I'll have the muffin instead of the scrambled egg or whatever. We're all the same. Mm. Um, and then there's sort of an onward cycle all day. So um, this idea, though, but that it's not just about those surface level things. No. That lack of sleep actually has a much deeper dangerous impact on our psyches. Well, it is. And I mean, I think all the medical research now, which, you know, we don't need to go into, but basically... we're not Dr. Maria no, or Dr. Alana. No. <laughs> but, you know, it's a fact. It is bad for us. Um, and it's actually worse than excessively drinking and smoking. That's what's a bit scary yeah, about that it. that is what's scary. But we're okay with skipping sleep somehow. It's all right. But I mean, as I said, I, well, and as you just said there, I mean, I am not the best me when I have not had sleep. And, you know, you can do it for a while, but you eventually just crack. And you do. You look a bit shit. Yeah. Your eyes are a bit saggy. Yeah. Your but skin. Become, it becomes normalised. I and think we that's all, the thing. And I think, I know just when I was talking about doing this podcast, so many people said to me, oh God, I don't sleep. Like if you actually yeah. did a straw poll, very unscientifically, but most people actually sleep less than seven hours a night. I love the fact that I've, you know, you know you've had a certain sort of decade of age where, you know, <laughs> in your maybe 20s, you'd greet your friends by, you know, who did you have sex with <laughs> at the weekend? Maybe in your 30s, you're like, you know, oh, did you get the nice outfit or where's your career going, whatever. And now sort of 40s, like, 
the first was it the first thing I said to you when I met you today was oh god I haven't slept last night I had about two hours sleep and I feel exhausted and you said oh yeah no I, and it was the first and now we all compare sleep like yes. we used to compare you know boyfriends yeah and outfits I think it is funny but it's it's because it's so crucial but to us. we're normalising it. Yeah. And we're, that's what's really frightening. Because we're normalising it, instead of actually seeing it as a really toxic, damaging issue. And women in particular, at this period in our 40s and 50s and 60s, it's an incredibly important thing to just stop and take stock and go, hang on a second, are my current habits serving me well? Is it okay to continue living at half power because I'm not getting this? Or will I spend a bit of time investing in why am I not sleeping? What can I do to improve it? And there are lots of things around that. You know, if we were working with, if we were coaching right now, we'd be looking at saying, okay, if it's a, if it, you feel that it's a health or symptom-related option, go out today and find out what's happening. Is it because Absolutely. of hormones? Is yeah. it because of anxiety? Is it because there's an alarm going off outside your next door mm. neighbour, in which case you need to throw a brick through the window? <laughs> yes. What is the reasons at your, you know, for my Although example, we're I not know, inciting any violence. <laughs> no. um, I did consider joining no, my kitten this morning at No windows were harmed in the making of this podcast. But I think it's really important that we stop and mm. really say, are we happy with the with the with the level of energy that we have in our lives right now, and how can we improve it? And um, just the thing you said there about your children, you know, and the ages they are. I mean, my babies are now fifteen, and you know, fifteen years is a really long time to not sleep. Now, I would say I have managed in the last kind of four years to kind of claw that back by teaching myself how to resleep, basically. But I'm at a really weird stage now, where um, occasionally. And because I'm so tired, I think, right, I'm going to go to bed at nine o'clock. Yeah. I'm going to bed now before my, my 14 year old. And I'm trying that. to usher them all up the stairs. They're like, I don't want to watch another episode of Friends. No, if I can get them all in the same, if I can get them all in their bedroom, they don't have to be actually be asleep. But I just feel there's something really wrong about me going to sleep oh, yeah. before they're in bed. I think, and I think that's the natural cycle of parenting in particular. But one of those things is that whole issue of just minding yourself. And mm. I suppose the point I was making there was, my babies are 15, I've suddenly got this new lease of life and freedom and I have no intention of dragging myself around, being tired. So I've had to kind of say to myself, right, what do I want to do in the next 10 years? How can I up-level my health? How can I be the best me? It all sounds a bit American, but you know, that thing of not lacking in energy, I fully intend to be full of energy in the next few years. And so that's where I kind of started looking at what I could actually do yeah. It's to, about not accepting that this is how you should yes, be feeling. Yeah. And also recognizing that for many of us, this is a time of huge transition, mm. either um, because of uh, relationships or our age or children moving in the family or different aspects. And again, that's why it's important to go, let's just not carry on living as we're living. Just take a moment to, to stop and go exactly what you said. This is the time of our lives. We have so much potential ahead of us. We have we have an extra 20 years of life not at the end, but in the middle of our lives. Our kids are sort of growing up a little bit. We have a lot of stuff on our mind. Let's not put that aside. We are in the midst of parent care, child care. We're, you know, juggling careers, homes, different things. But this is also a huge opportunity. Let's not waste it by living half asleep because we're not Definitely. investing in ourselves and this really important topic at night. And I think one of the things... Not is, the important topic at night we used to talk about. <laughs> yes. Now we're trying to sleep. 
Um, but the thing is, I think there, you know, there's three things you can think about when you're dealing with sleep. And, I, you know, I certainly know for myself, from my point of view, my mind is one of those overthinking minds. If there's a way of overthinking something, I will find it, you know, and I think. And the best time to do that <laughs> is just when you lie down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm no one sure ever said. <laughs> everybody uh, has experienced that. You're absolutely wrecked. You get into bed and your brain is like, bing and thinking of every possible scenario to every problem you've ever had in your life, never mind that particular day. And those kind of things, you know, basically, you know, managing your stress. Can I say that quite often that is because the time that you get into bed is quite often the first time time. of the day that no one needs you, wants you, is talking at you. That's the first time you get a bit of headspace. Yes, and I think that makes a huge difference. And the thing is, what happens then is the minute we get a bit of headspace, our brain starts trying to sort everything out, even subconsciously. It wants to close all the loops that it opened in the day. A really important thing that I learned to do years ago was journaling. And I know we Mm. will talk about this endlessly probably in the many podcasts. And it's something certainly with a lot of the women that I coach is journaling is a very good way of of just helping to process a lot of the thoughts in our bodies. Now, a lot of people journal first thing in the morning, which is great. Sometimes if I feel, I have a, and you can feel it in your body, you feel when you're carrying something, it's either in your chest or your throat or whatever. Sometimes that can be a really nice thing. Get into bed with your non-Horlicks drink. (laughs) And instead of a book or your phone, just journal. And actually the process of putting, and the you know, research has shown that process of, of taking what's in your brain out through your hand and uh, writing, so not on a laptop and not on your phone notes, mm. writing out and journaling, it actually puts them out of your way. That's the thing. It's Empties closing the loop. It's closing the loop. So I, I would be a fan of nighttime journaling more than morning in a way because I find that it does just take all the bits out of my head. And I'm one of those, you know, have 20 things going at the same time, lots of different arrangements. Work, work is never the same every day. And if I don't write stuff yeah. out, I will not sleep. I will have all those thoughts going around in my head. And so, yeah, I find just writing out, even if it's just a list of stuff. To-do list, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the biggest things. And the other thing is like putting stuff off. If you go to bed and you've put stuff off all day, like our brain just wants to tidy everything up so it won't allow you to put stuff off. So, you know, by writing it out, Mm -hmm. you're kind of laying it to rest a bit. So it's out of your head and it does, it's really weird, but it, Neuros, there's some neuroscience in actually just writing it out with a pen and letting it go or p- closing the book and get lying down again. And it, it feeds into that piece that I spoke about a minute ago, whereas sometimes for a lot of us, that moment where we our, our head hits the pillow is the first time that day we've allowed the quietness to descend, that bit of mindfulness. Um, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of the word mindfulness because I think it has a lot of difficult connotations for people who don't want to sit um, I have two periods of my day where that happens now and I've it's been the transformational part of my life and part of why I feel like coaching has been so important to me um, is that one is uh, after I've walked the kids to school I then walk the dog and that is my moment to just declutter my head a little bit get rid of all of sort of the high octane energy that requires three getting three children out the door in the morning and sets me up for the rest of the day. And then the evening bit as well, where I just quickly do my gratitude, what are the three things I'm happy for, but also that to-do list. Get it all down on paper, get it out of the way, and then when I do close my eyes, my brain is, there's there's an awful lot of the rubbish has gone. Absolutely. And, you know, in the olden days, 
people would pray. Yes. You know, prayer was their meditation. And it was just that moment of literally stopping and a rhythmic kind of routine of words that signaled, you know, the end of a day. And we don't do that so much, although I think a lot more people now are aware of um, meditating and everything. And I really, for years, resisted it, you know, because I was like, oh, my brain could possibly sit stay that long. But now I've realized, actually, yes, it can, because <laughs> I can train it. And it does make a difference because... One of the big things is just the stop, the literal stopping. It is the stopping. It's yeah. the pressing pause on yeah. every level. I mean, we'll talk about this a lot in different, whatever we're, subject we're talking about, whether it is, you know, our weight, uh, our body image, um, anxiety, whatever. It's the process of pressing pause mm. that we have so stopped doing in our lives yeah. that will make all the difference. The problem is we're not pressing pause until we're in bed. Absolutely. And then that's the where it's too late. Mm. And I think one of the big things is we are living in a frantic world and everything is more fast paced than it ever was. And we're more on than we ever were. And there's always even our evenings are full. Yeah, absolutely. And so we've kind of I think we just I need had to Netflix claim it back. anxiety the other day. Oh, did you? I had been away for a few days. My kids had gone to their dads and I sat there and I said, oh, my goodness, I must do something meaningful with Netflix this evening. <laughs> <laughs> and I had real anxiety over what I was going to watch because a yeah. couple of series I'd finished and I, and I sat and I thought, oh, I really should watch Chernobyl, for example, yeah. because everyone's telling. And, I, and I'm sure it's wonderful, but it just wasn't what I needed at no, that time. No. But I had near anxiety about it. So you can't, it's even, even relaxing is stressful because, oh God, you know, yeah. am I relaxing in the right way? Yeah. I can't drink now. Um, am I right, watching the right <laughs> Netflix? So there is, like, you're absolutely right. We're, we're really becoming so fast paced that that ability to press pause nearly feels like a failure. It does. And I think, you know, it's accepting Whereas that. Whereas we know yeah, it's the most successful thing you can do. It absolutely is. And I think it's just accepting that, you know, we can change our behaviour to have an impact on our life. And I would have been one of those relentless people where I would have been 90 to the dozen. And I still say this now, you know, I used to say this thing, if you want a job doing, I'll do it. You know, yeah. even if I had to chop off my leg, quite literally, yeah. I would, you know, not not do that job. And, you know, I've got to the, you know, I suppose I've got a lot of sense now, but <laughs> a lot more sense. But it was that thing of just realising, you know, you have to actually yeah. put the brakes on yeah. and just allow yourself to pause. And I think that's the bit where, that's what I mean about the, you know, training yourself. You can actually train yourself. Yeah. So if you are struggling with sleep, you don't, you know, don't panic. Check, get your health checked first, obviously, yeah. to make sure that everything is okay, you know, in your blood or whatever. But try and just make a note of why you're not, you think, yeah. you're not sleeping. But then if you've ruled out a medical cause, because sometimes there are things that, like, I have an underactive thyroid, so, that, so if my medication isn't right, that would be something that can affect She you. goes, woo-woo! Yeah. <laughs> and that whole thing, you know, once you've that checked, then start looking. Yeah. Start, start asking yourself, why am I lying in bed at night or why am I waking up? And, you know... It won't take too much detective work. And then work. the next stage after that is really to not see this as another chore, not see this as another sort of health kick, but to see this as probably the most important investment you can make in your life. Because if you get this bit right, and I know this week, because I've had a lot of disruption this week and I'm feeling absolutely on half power. If you can make this investment and make these changes. And we talk about, I think, training our mind sounds like it's a, it's a sort of very skillful thing. 
It's not. It's about making very, very small changes. And it starts with pressing the pause button and getting to understand why are we not sleeping, then making very small changes. So, for example, tonight... I am going to put the phone outside. I'm going to do a Maria (laughs) and I'm going to be hygienic in my sleep this evening um, because I need to. And I know that I will be a far better mum. I'll be a far better person. I'll be far better coach. I'll be far better everything tomorrow if I get a good night's sleep tonight. And one of the things I do is, you know, when you visualise mentally nice things, surprise, surprise, you feel more relaxed. So I, if I have something where I'm feeling a bit anxious or I'm thinking about it, I literally visualise it and then just in a kind of positive state and then just literally imagine it dissolving away. And it sounds silly, but it's just giving your brain that message that it's no longer there. So this is like when you sort of are, you're, you're being intimidated by somebody, you imagine there's no clothes on. So this <laughs> yeah, is basically like lying in bed version. and imagining people yeah. with no clothes yeah, on. Yeah. That's a different <laughs> podcast, Maria. <laughs> we'll get to that one. We'll save it for the next time. And so, yeah, so I think tonight I'm hoping that across the nation there will be lots of women going to bed uh, not with Horlicks and not with rollers in their hair unless that is your thing but really with a thought and a view of very consciously deciding what do I need tonight for me not for anybody else don't worry about the house don't worry about the work and if you do need to do that write it all down and then go and try and invest in some proper sleep because uh, you're not just going to improve the lives of all the people around you you're going to improve your life and so that you can actually get on and start living it the way we want to live it. 100% can't really add much more to that. I think it's just one of these things of just accepting that we need to make a change. I think we should call it high energy sleep. Does that (laughs) sound good? good? Yeah, perfect. (laughs) Okay, so everyone here tonight (laughs) has to go and look at ways to get some high energy sleep because uh, it will be the starting point so that you can actually focus on all the other important things that we want to focus on in our life now, which is you know, living well, being healthy uh, and actually making the most of this time. Absolutely. So sleep tight. Until the next time. Bye. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.